He chose you. Oh, that's something to get excited about. He chose you. He chose me. He chose to show his love to us. We should be grateful and honor him for his goodness. Amen. Amen. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. As you do that, our children are dismissed to their class. Or their classes, should I say. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. so. And it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are carnal. For where, the, where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's works, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's works of what sort it is. If anyone works which if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are, that no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. Lord, thank you for your word. <clears throat> your word is true. Your word is life-changing. Your word sets us free, and we are grateful today for the truth that is in it, the truth that it is, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate our minds, that you would illuminate our hearts, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to us, your people, your church today. Lord, remove every distraction of mind and heart for those of us that are here, for those that are hearing online. God, we pray that you would speak to us and that we would not just hear, but that we would respond in faith. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you need an outline, just raise your hand and hold it up so the ushers can see your hand. We want to be sure that you're able to follow along as we go uh, through the introduction. And also, I uh, want to be sure that you're able to take some notes and that you're able to hopefully <clears throat> take this message beyond the time that we are together now and that you'll be able to actually uh, utilize it throughout your week in some way to build your faith and maybe even share it 
with someone else. That's something that I have often uh, communicated. One of the things that you can do, you know, we always talk about making disciples. And sometimes we don't know exactly how we're supposed to do that. What should we say? Well, let me just give you this as a tool. You have this outline. You have the notes that are there. And so what you can do with someone is sit down with them and say, hey, I want to I wanna talk to you about what I'm learning. Two things are going to happen. Number one, you'll be challenged in your faith to help someone else grow in their faith. But number two, by you rehearsing it, you resharing it and retelling it, your faith is going to be built up and strengthened as well. So there's an opportunity for you to utilize this outline more than just a bookmark. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And so we're continuing in our series in, in 1 Corinthians church function, and we're looking at the function of the church. And today, I want to talk about partners in kingdom work, partners in kingdom work. In your outline here, it says, if there is one thing we should strive to get right, it is our purpose while here on earth. Would anyone say amen to that? Our span of time on this earth, it may seem like forever, but it really isn't. It's really a short period of time. And so we get a short period of time to get things right. And so I believe that while we are here on earth, we should seek the Lord for his purpose in our lives. As followers of Jesus, we have been called into fellowship with the Son. If you would just with me real quickly, look back to chapter 1 and verse 9. I, I, didn't, I didn't emphasize this sufficiently in my opinion when I walk through um, chapter 1, but verse 9 says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with his son, the fellowship of the son. You and I have been called into fellowship with the son. So you want to know what your purpose is? Here it is. You got, you got listen, this is it right now. This is, this is the answer. What is your purpose? Your purpose is to be in fellowship with the son. Now here's the problem with us for us is that when we think or we hear the word fellowship we think about you know as as uh, as minister lewis was was sharing in the beginning when he was welcoming us and he was talking about those who are online he's like hey i know you got your spatula in one hand right and then what was he talking about i you know at first i was like i don't know because i don't really cook glory to god but then a second or two later it clicked what he was saying is someone is by the grill right and they are with a spatula and they're flipping burgers or chicken or something to that effect. The point is, when we think about fellowship, we immediately connect with it like some kind of gathering of people that's for fun, that's for food, but we don't realize that fellowship in a biblical sense is a much greater and more robust thing. It's not just about us coming together and having a good time. For sure, when we fellowship, there should be a good time, should there not? When we fellowship, together, there should be rejoicing in God and who he is. There should be joy in the company that we're sharing. There should be that. But here's the thing. When we think about the term fellowship, we have to see it in greater terms. We have to understand fellowship is about mission. Fellowship is about, when, when we are called because God is faithful, we are called into fellowship with his son. We are called into a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. We are called into a relationship with him, not just so that way we can feel great about ourselves and feel better about who we are, but so that way he can lead us into living our lives on mission. Listen to me now, not just for him, with him. Are you here? Fellowship is about being with, right? It's about being in relationship. It's about being in proximity. So here's the thing. While, while the fact is when we gather together, when we leave this place, you and I don't go together in a physical and tangible sense. Now, we may take each other with, with, with each other in our hearts because we love and care for one another. But when you are walking with God in fellowship, you are in relationship with him. And everywhere you go, he is with with you. You know what he wants? He wants you and I to be on mission. He wants you and I to really walk in fellowship with him. So fellowship with him means I don't walk in the direction I want. I walk in the direction he wants. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are you getting the picture? 
When, when I'm walking in fellowship with him, he is in the leadership position, and I want to be with him. I don't want to break fellowship with him. So therefore, whenever I'm, when I'm really in fellowship with the Lord, I don't want to do things that are going to grieve him because what? I want to remain in fellowship with him. I want to remain in partnership with him. I want to walk with him. I want to follow him. I don't want to have attitudes that separate me from him, so what do I do? I recognize those attitudes that don't align with him, that don't align with his heart. I recognize those goals, those desires, those pleasures. This is what fellowship is. It's not just barbecue. It's not just sipping on some lemonade together. It's not just hanging out and talking about whatever. No, no, no. Fellowship with the sun is something that is supposed to be life-changing. It's, it's something that should be altering the way that I live every single day, every single second. It, when, when I'm in fellowship with the sun, I'm not living how I want to live and asking Jesus, hey, come along. Come, come, come hang out with me, Jesus. Come, come check out the stuff I'm doing, Jesus. Come over here and bless. No, 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 no. Fellowship with the Son is saying I lay my life down. I pick up my cross. I deny myself daily. And I say, Lord, you lead the way. Lord, you show me how to have an attitude that honors you in everything that I do. Lord, you show me how to think thoughts that bring you glory in everything that I do. Lord, I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to be in close proximity with you at all times. Going back to your outline, no matter your role, check this out now, whether you are a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, hallelujah, somebody like, amen, I received that. <laughs> whether you are a stay-at-home mom or a CEO of a household, amen, glory to God. See, 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 sometimes we minimize, right? Like, like moms that stay home, like, oh, I don't have a job. Oh, you got a job. You are a CEO of a household, glory to God. You are running the, you are leading your family. This is important stuff. This is not like, oh, well, you're, you know, I go to work. I'm the man. No, 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 no. You are doing important stuff. Important. You're, you're molding. You're, you're developing. Whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a mechanic, a maintenance worker, a salesman, a student, or a retiree, check this out. God has employed you in his service and wants to use you in making his name known. Amen. Understand this. Whatever you do, your fellowship with the Son is about making him known wherever you are. You're, you're, you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or whatever. You're, 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 you're the owner of a business or whatever that. Well, you know what? You need to make sure that your employees and, and those coworkers with you, that they see Christ in you, not just some shrewd businessman or businesswoman. You need to be sure if you're that homemaker, that mom, if that, that, that you are uh, ensuring that your kids don't just know rules and laws, but that they're seeing Christ in you. Whatever you're doing, if you're a doctor, you know, I, I can't give names because, you know, this online, I, you know, I'll get somebody in trouble. But, you know, we have conversation with our brothers and, 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 and some, some of them work in different spaces. And, and you know, they talk about their, their doctors and, and wait a second, are they, are they're, they're supposed to be Christian, but are they really reflecting Christ in the way that they are? Are they really making him known in everything that they do? Are they really making him known? Are you really making him known wherever you are and whatever you're doing? Are you ensuring that, man, my life is a reflection of the gospel that has changed me? Here's what I want you to think about this morning. Partners in kingdom work strive for maturity, fruit, and fullness. Partners in kingdom work, in the text that we read, partners in kingdom work strive for maturity, for fruit, and for fullness. These three things we want to talk about today. The first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, partners in kingdom work are devoted to the king. Partners in kingdom work are devoted to the king. That's where we strive for maturity. Is that no matter what, we are devoted to the king. That no matter who we are with, no matter what we are doing, that we are devoted to the king first and foremost. I may lose a friendship. I may lose a business deal. I, listen, I may lose some, uh, some, some, some social clout. But first and foremost, 
My devotion is to the king. You, you, you may not like me after I say no to your thing. Why? When, when I say, no, nah, we can't go that route. When I decide I can't lie just to get that closure. No, no, no. You, you, you and I may, may, may differ. We may have to walk on different paths. But my devotion, first and foremost, is to the king. As we go back to the text here in verse 1, chapter 3, the apostle Paul is coming back into, or he's, I think, like to me, when I look at this as a preacher, you know, he's kind of like bringing this sermon that he started in chapter 1. He's bringing it full circle. And, and he's going back to what he had been saying throughout this whole time. We were talking about the wisdom of God, the gospel, and everything that he's been saying that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal as to babes in Christ. Now, now let's keep this in the context. Remember who he's writing to, right? He's writing to the church. Say, he's writing to the church. I want you to know he's, he's, not, he's not calling out a, a particular group. He's, he's calling out this church as a whole and in general. And I am sure, I am certain that there were people in here who were not carnal. But nonetheless, this is what his, his, his rebuke is to them, that I could not speak to you as to spiritual people. Now, you're going to notice when we move forward, especially when we get to chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14 over there, you're going to notice how spiritual the church of Corinth was. They were speaking in tongues. They were, I don't know if they were interpreting tongues. That's up for debate. But they were speaking in tongues. They were, they, they, they were prophesying. I mean, they came together, and it was, it was crazy because everyone was so spiritual. And yet the apostle Paul is like, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual people. But as to carnal people. See, there, see, see, there's two kinds of people that you're going to find in the church, in the body of Christ. And those are those who are spiritually mature and those who are carnal. Those who are fleshly. Those who are mindful of the things of this world, not the things of God. Verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it and even now you are still not able for you are still carnal for where there are envy strife and division among you are you not carnal and behaving like mere men for when one says i am of paul and another i am of apollos are you not carnal so you know when we when we read this right like we're like i think we're reading this and at least for me when i read it i'm like man but what's the big deal right like i'm just saying hey man he's like you know i, I like paul's preaching right you know, I, I like Apollos' preaching. Like, you know, I, I, have my, I have my favorite preachers, right? I have the people that I like. Like, you know, when someone's like, hey, listen to this, and then I start listening like five minutes in, I'm like, man, I can't listen to any more. Not, 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 not because they're not preaching God's word. It's just because I don't, I, don't, I don't particularly appreciate the way that they communicate and, you know, whatever it is, right? I just, I'm just being honest. But then you tell me, hey, listen to this, and I'm like, okay, I, I can listen to that guy. You know, I, I can listen to them. I, I can listen to them for, you know, for a while because I, I really, I like the way that they communicate God's word. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. I, I think that it was something much greater for them. Again, partners in kingdom work are devoted to the king. The problem was that they were not demonstrating the devotion to Christ the way that they should. They were demonstrating a devotion to a particular leader more than they were their devotion to Christ. This is the reason why Paul is saying, man, y'all are carnal. You're fleshly. You're, you're more committed to earthly things than you are to the spiritual things that you should be. So here's the thing that I want you to realize, that this affects your identity. Your identity and who you are. Because I'm of Apollos is, is, is like, yo, I, th that's where my identity is, right? Let me ask you a question. What do you think the enemy wants to attack more than anything else? He wants to attack your identity. You see what's going on with our kids right now? Are, are you watching the news? Are you paying attention? Or are you sleeping? You just, you're just acting like there's nothing happening, like there's no agenda, like there's no target on our kids' back, right? You're, you're acting like that, right? The, you know, the other day we, were, we, we, just, we just did a midterm election, right, the other day. And, you know, and, and, I, and I'm looking at the people who are running for school board, right? Come on, I hope you all were paying attention to this, right? I'm looking, okay, well, who's running? 
Listen, my kids are not in, in the school board. I'm not doing this for my kids. I've already chosen a private Christian school that's going to uphold my values. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for every other kid that is within this jurisdiction that is going to have these particular leaders in their schools who are going to be approving or disapproving curriculums that are either going to be focused on education or indoctrination. Listen, don't get it twisted. Church we should care about who is influencing the curriculums that our children are being taught by. It's important for us. We have educators in this room. I hope y'all pray for these educators. Hope we do. We, we should pray for them and lift them up because our kids have a target on their back. But what is, what, what, what is, what is, what is the enemy's agenda? Forget, forget the, the, the people who are in the way, who are the vessels. What is the enemy's agenda? He wants to attack their identity. He wants to confuse our kids as early as possible about what their identity is, about who they are. He can get them with, he can get them with gender confusion, all this other type of stuff that, that is being... It used to be more subtle. Not so much. Anyway, anyway, I don't want to beat on that too much. Y'all think, oh, you're getting political. No, 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 I'm not getting political. This had nothing new. This had nothing. This had nothing. That's the problem with us. Is you hear that stuff, you're like, oh, he's getting political. No, I'm not getting political. This is spiritual. There is a battle that is going on for the minds and the hearts of our children. Our president said that he's here for the soul of the nation. The question is, where does he want to lead the soul of the nation? Does he want to? Oh, he got, he's talking about the president. Yes, because these are spiritual things. This is not about Democrat, Republican. This is about a spiritual reality that our nation is in the midst of this battle. And church, if we don't wake up, we are going to continue to put people in positions of authority that are leading our nation, leading our children in the wrong direction, not leading them in righteousness the way that they should be led. Well, Bishop can't talk about, I'm not talking about politics. I don't care about all that. I care about making sure we have righteousness leading our nation from the White House to the student board, to the, to, to the places where there's influence. Church, we got to wake up. We got to stop being diehard Republicans or diehard Democrats, and we need to be Christians who say, wait a second, I don't care what party you're affiliated with. I care about the values you live for. I care about those things. We should care about those things. And if that offends you, then core faith may not be the right place for you. I'm sorry. The truth is, man, that we need to wake up and rise up. And we need to be a people who will not stand for unrighteousness in our land. A people who care. Why? Because the enemy is all about destroying our identity. Again, why do you think we get so offended? You know, someone talks about this or talks about that. We get so offended because your identity is more tied to that thing than it is to Christ. While you're not saying, oh, you know, I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. Come on, man. You're saying you're of something. Because when words that, that, that start to rub you in the wrong way, come on now. Why? 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 You know why? I'm going to tell you why we get offended. We get offended because our idols are being challenged. That's what happens to us. Church, we've got to be a people who are serious and understand, man, the enemy wants to distort our identity. Why? Because a misplaced identity, especially in the church, will foster carnality. You know what carnality does? Creates division. Come on now. I told you about this, this, this um, study about maybe a year or so ago that I heard that, that I was at a, at a meeting and this, this associate pastor was talking about, and he was talking about the six types of people that are in the church right now. The six, y'all remember that, right? I, I, well, I, I just refresh your memory a little bit. You know, they, they had basically one through six. Number one, you know, the, I, I, don't, I don't remember the exact terminology that was used for number one, but basically that was the super patriotic Christian. That, that was the number one in the group. And you walk to number four, I really, in my opinion, I think the only people in the church is one through four because number five and number six are people who have abandoned the faith, people who have not come to Christ. That, but, but number four was the person who was, you know, a, 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 a very uh, liberal and, and social, you know, um, type of Christian. 
And, here, and here's the problem. There's, there's no issue with, with, with having people that have different opinions. Here was, here, here was the issue. The ones and the fours, although they claim to love Jesus, they can't be in the same room together. They can't be in the same church together. You know why? Because they're idle. Because their identity is tied to a social ideology, not the cross. See, there's a problem, church, because I'm not a one, I'm not a four. I'm somewhere in the middle. Come on now. And I'm calling people to faith in Christ. I'm calling people to repentance. I'm call- Just like Paul is calling the church, wait a second, let's come out of our carnality. Let's be spiritually mature. Let's be people who understand our identity. See, the opposite is true as well. When you have a firm identity in Christ, what does it do? It moves us into fellowship with the Son. It moves us and leads us into real spirituality and real spiritual maturity. You see, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about, and I'm going to be passionate just like I was like two seconds ago. Hallelujah. I'm going to be passionate. I hope you can handle it. You can be passionate too. You can be wrong. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can be passionate, right? Like, seriously. You can be passionate about whatever your position is, whatever it is that you believe. But listen, let's just be passionate. You know, I love, I love my brother Lewis. You know, we have passionate conversations, amen? <laughs> he's, he's got opinions. I have opinions. And, and, and I'm talking about, like, church stuff, really, you know, that we, we, we get into, into, you know, we're discussing things. And, you know, I, I, I elevate my voice. He's very calm. Hallelujah. <laughs> let, me, let me just qualify, right? I, I elevate my voice, you know, I, I start to turn red, you know, and stuff like that, right? I, you know. <laughs> but I, lo- I, lo- I, love, I love his disposition. His disposition is passionate people have passionate conversations. We don't divide over that kind of stuff. You know, what, you, you know why? Because what brought us together, hopefully, was the cross. What is greater than your political affiliation is your affiliation and commitment to the cross. What is greater than your social positions on whatever is that you are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ above everything else. And that you can recognize, like I can recognize, that some of my positions, they may not not align with the scriptures. And where my positions don't align with the scriptures, guess what I need to do? I need to repent. I need to call out those things that are not God. I need to disalign myself with those things that are not the Lord. But again, when our identity is tied into certain things, we get caught up in that, and that's what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to get caught up in the wrong stuff. So what does Paul tell us? Paul shows us that the fruit of immaturity is carnality. When we are immature, we are carnal. And how do we know that we're carnal? Well, he said these things. He said, when there is envy strife, and divisions. Are you not being carnal, acting like mere men? How do you know if you're carnal? Are you an envious person? You know, envy is like jealousy on steroids, right? That's what it is. Like, you know, you can be jealous of someone, you know, whatever the case is. You know, they, you know I, I told you all the other day, Raul, you know, he got, he, got, he got my dream truck, praise the Lord. He let me sit in at the end of the day, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. For anybody who was wondering, I, I, I am 100% sold on the Toyota Tundra, all right? Just, just so you know, pray for my deliverance, amen? <laughs> well, when he told me he got it, you know, I'm a, something inside, I was like, man, why can't I have one, you know? <laughs> a little jelly on the inside, right? But I, but I wasn't like envious, like, man, I hope he wrecks that thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> That'd be messed up, right? Bro, well, I love you, man. I was just talking about your, your beautiful truck. <laughs> <laughs> he knew it. He could feel, right? Like, but the thing is, I can, I can rejoice with my brother, despite the fact that I'm like, yo, I would love one of those, right? But, but when I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just hating on him, and I can't, man, I don't want to be around Raul. Like, 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 like I don't even want to go out there and see his truck. I don't even want to be around him. I'm, I'm, I have this envy in my heart, right? There, there, it's, it's almost like when, when you're envious, you're not, you can tell, because it's like there's a competition, Listen, we, we should, in the body of Christ, there's no competition in the body of Christ. Not within each other. I'm not trying to be better than the church up the road. I'm not trying to outdo the, no, 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 wait a second. There's an enemy 
that has souls that need to be saved and delivered. My competition is not those who are following Jesus. My competition is every is, is every every everything that is holding on to lost people. That's our competition, church. Not each other. He says there's envy, there's there's strife, contention, there's division. That's where this leads to. I don't want to be around them. I don't, around, I, I, don't, I don't want to be around those people. Something in my heart. And, and so, and so here's, here's, here's what we have to understand is that maturing people, you know what they're growing? They're growing in love. See, maturing people are growing in love. There's no room for rivalry in their hearts. There's no room for envy in their hearts. They're growing in love. They have no desire for contention. They're not looking to argue with one another. They're looking to contend for the faith. Are you here? The only thing they're contending for is the faith. They, and, and, and here's the thing. They will not tolerate. When you're growing in love, you will not tolerate division in the body. When someone comes to you talking about someone else, you're like, hold up, time out. No, 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 we're not, we're, we're not going to deal with that here. We're, we're, we're going to go have a conversation with that person. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you like five days to have this conversation. You know, some of y'all don't like this, but this is how it should be. You should be like, hey, check this out. You told me this on Monday. I'm going to give you till next Monday to have this conversation. That's, that's like seven days, right? Something like that. Anyway, I'm going to give you a week to have this conversation with them. If you haven't had that conversation, I'm going to shoot them a text and let them know you, ha- you need to have a conversation with them. I'm not going to tell them what you had to say. I'm just going to let them know they need to have a conversation with you. Now, when they reach out to you and tell you they didn't have a conversation with you, if you don't tell them what the conversation is about, at that point, we're going to have to sit down and have a conversation. Oh, wait, this is crazy stuff. Yeah, this is how we deal with division. This is how we squelch gossip, right? But, but here's, here, here, here's how we normally function with this kind of stuff. So I come, right, I have an issue with Troy, and then I go, and I decide, man, you know, Trapner, check this out, bro. You know, Troy was just like, you know, just tripping the other day. And then Trapner's like, you know, being a good brother, man, so what happened? And I tell him everything, and Trapner's like, you know, you should have a conversation with him. And I'm like, all right, man, well, I got to go, whatever, and, we do, and we're done with the conversation. And then I come back to Trapner a month later, Man, you know, Troy again, and, and Travner's like being a good brother, right? And I'm using Troy and Travner just because they're T's, and I'm in the T's right now, you know? <laughs> Not like this has ever happened. I don't even know how Travner would act in a situation like this. But, you know, the point is, Travner doesn't really challenge me to go and have a conversation with Troy. He just leaves me to just continue to wallow in my gossip, in my anger, in my discontent, in my envy, in whatever it is that's there. Instead of saying, hold on, brother. You need to have a conversation with Troy, and I'm going to, in love, help facilitate that. Amen. See, if we did that, you know what would happen? People would stop gossiping. That's what would happen. You would shut the mouths up because nobody wants to come to t- come talk to Travner. He's talking about, hey, man, you got seven days. <laughs> Be like, yo, don't talk to Travner. He's giving you seven days, and that's it. You got seven days, and you're done. But that's how we should be with one. Not because I want to be hardcore, but because I love you and I love the body, and I, and I refuse to allow division to, to come into the body. Church, that's what we're supposed to do. I know it's quiet when we talk about this. Because we're like, Bishop, is that biblical? Of course it's biblical. We're not supposed to walk around backbiting, gossiping, and talking about one. We're not supposed to. That's being carnal. The question is, do we want to be spiritually mature or do we want to be a carnal people? And so the goal of every leader in the body of Christ should be what? To make much of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. This, this, this is what Paul is saying here. The apostle Paul is letting us know. We should be making much of Jesus. And that, that way people's primary and ultimate devotion is to Christ, to his mission and the expansion of the kingdom. And here's the reason why this becomes so important. Because when we are not committed to making much of Christ... You know, we have, we, we make, when, when people are more committed to our church, they're more committed to our brand, they're more committed to us as teachers. You know what we end up having? We end up having people who are nothing more than groupies who sing about Jesus. They're not Christ followers like they should be, but they're more devoted to other things than they should be to Christ. Listen, I don't want us to be a bunch of groupies. I, I, I want you to love core faith. I'm grateful. Some of you the other day when I was talking about when I first, when we introed this, and, you know, I said how, how I get phone calls. I said phone calls with an S, amen. For some reason, people thought I said phone call, 
and I got and I got conversations from multiple people who call and say, "Hey, who's preaching?" Now listen. You make me feel good when you ask that question. Don't get it twisted. Cuz it shows that you appreciate my preaching. Amen. I appreciate that. I want to be a preacher. My goodness, I hope you enjoy me preaching. I preach for a long time, glory to God. If you don't enjoy me, I mean, my goodness, I'm only on point one, and we still got two more points to go, and I've been going for like 40 minutes here, amen? Either you love abuse or you enjoy <laughs> the way I can watch. Something's going on. I don't know. We're going to pray about this. I don't <laughs> But listen, it's not about being committed to me. It's about being committed to him. It's about being committed to the one who says, you are the one I love. The one that we sang about, the one that if, if he had to do it all over again, he would choose you again. It's about being committed to him above everything else, which is what I believe is the heart of the apostle Paul in this text. The second thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, partners in kingdom work build with eternity in mind. Partners in kingdom work build with eternity in mind. This is where we're striving for fruitfulness. Chapter um, 3, verse 5, look at what Paul says here. He says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. So Paul preached the gospel, some people believed. Apollos preached the gospel, some people believed. And, 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 they're, and they're stirred because of what God did through these people. But Paul goes on to say, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, I love this, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, 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 now is Paul somehow like trying to minimize who he is or who Apollos is? No, no, in, in no way, shape, or form. He is simply putting things into perspective. He's saying, look, it's not about me. It's not about Apollos. It's about God. It's about him because he is the one who gives the increase. Verse 8. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. I love this. What is he saying? He's saying, Apollos and I and We'll throw Cephas in there, even though he didn't right now. We're one. Why are you divided over us? We're one. Why are you divided over, uh, over us and who we are? You shouldn't be divided. We're, and listen, and we're all working, and we're all going to get a specific a, a reward for the work that we have done. Verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers. I love that. We are God's co-laborers. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and you are God's building. Partners in kingdom work build with eternity in mind. See, we talked about identity in the first point here. And when our identity is established in Christ, we do what? We embrace our role in the expansion of the kingdom. When you and I live with eternity in mind, you build your life differently. What does Paul say here? Verse 10. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than, than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's works of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet, as, yet, yet so as through fire. See, when you live with eternity in mind, you build differently. You build your life differently. The Apostle Paul built a certain way. He built with a foundation, which is Christ Jesus. Leaders who lead with eternity in mind, they take no glory. They understand their role and that any success is all because of God. Amen? Jesus is the foundation. Hear me now. 
Jesus is the foundation. His testimony is our stability. Are you here? Jesus is the foundation. Paul says no other foundation can be laid. Every week we, we, we endeavor as, as, as those who get up here and labor in God's word. We, we endeavor to share the gospel. To communicate the reality that we, all of us in this room, those who are listening online, every person who walks this planet is, listen, someone who by themselves is a sinner separated from God. That when you look back to what happened in the Garden of Eden, that that is true for all of us. That the moment that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, when Adam ate of the fruit, at, at, at that moment, it says their eyes were opened. They were separated from each other, but more importantly, they were separated from God, their creator. The fellowship that we talked about earlier was broken. Their sin had separated them from God. We all, because of our sin, are separated from God. And we can do nothing, we can do nothing to bridge the gap that is there any more than Adam could clothe himself in the garden by himself. The scripture tells us that they were clothed, they were putting leaves on or whatever the case was, but then all of a sudden they had these animal skins. It doesn't say there was a sacrifice made, but if we put two and two together, we realize that animal skins didn't just pop up. There was a symbolism of a sacrifice that had to be made, and that is us. We are separated by ourselves. We're trying to cover ourselves with leaves, but God says, no, 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 I have something to cover you with, and it's a sacrifice of my son. The beauty of the gospel that we preach is the foundation of our lives, that Christ died for us. Not only did he die, but he rose again. See, that's why we are stable in our faith, because Christ rose again. Because he rose again, now we have stability. Our foundation is solid. He rose again, and what does he do? He offers new life. He says, anyone who calls on me will be saved. Anyone who puts their faith in me, they will be saved. He calls, he extends that call of grace and mercy to all and say, come, if you're heavy laden and you're burdened, come to me and find rest. These are those who are trying to appease God in their own righteousness and their own abilities and realize it's impossible. He says, come to me. This is what Christ does in the gospel for us. Sheds blood, but he didn't just die. He rises again, showing us that he has the power to give life. That is the beauty of the gospel, but it's not just some, you know, three points that we got to learn. No, 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 no. This is our life. This is the foundation upon which we have stability, the testimony of Jesus Christ. And when he offers us this new life of salvation, he offers us new life. He offers us a new name. He offers us a new identity. And here's the thing that I know is, is, is true, and Paul says this. Whoever builds, they need to think about how they're building. So for your life, how are you building? How are you building upon the foundation of Christ? Are you building with gold? Are you building with silver? Things that can be refined and shine more brightly? Or are you building with wood, hay, and stubble? Things that when the fire comes, they're consumed and gone. There's nothing left. He says, be careful how you are building. But you know what we'll do? This is, this is what will happen. We will build based upon the value we have of the foundation. We will build with materials based upon how, how, how important the foundation is. If we value the foundation, if we really value Jesus as the cornerstone, we're going to build our lives differently. We're going to make sure we're not building with carnality. We're not building with fleshly things in mind. We're building with eternity in mind. We want to see fruit. We want to see lasting fruit. And the day, he says the day. What is the day? The day of the Lord. The day that God's wrath will be poured out on all of humanity and the day that we will be caught up to be with him. All of our works, every one of us, here's the thing, you got you to know this. Every one of us is going to face fire. The question is, will you smell like smoke or will you shine brightly in the kingdom? Every one of us that is sitting in this room, we are going to face the fire of God's judgment. We're not, we're, listen, this is not a judgment for salvation. No, no, I'm not talking about that. 
All of our works, all of our lives, everything that we are doing, everything we say we're doing in the name of the Lord, our parenting, our relationships in our marriage, our church, everything we do in ministry, all of this is going to come before the fire of God. And this is what the scripture says. The scripture says that everything that is going to endure is going to shine, right? But if it doesn't endure, what happens? It's going to be consumed, but you're going to be saved. So make it into heaven smelling like smoke. So the question is, are you going to be one that smells like smoke or are you going to be one that shines brightly for the kingdom? Well, it depends on what you're building with and how you are building. Are you building according to God's standards? See, here's the thing we got to understand. To build according to God's standards and, and according to God's wisdom is costly. See, it's easy to just do things the way the world does them, is it not? It's easy to just follow the standards of the world. It's easy to just live according to the way that the world says we should. It's easy to live that way. It's easy to do it that way. In relationships now, right, it's, it's costly to say no to sex before marriage. It's easy to just do it the way the world does. Hey, you know, you're, you're in a relationship. You love each other. It's more costly, right? It's more costly. You, you got to have an apartment. He's got to have an apartment. It's more costly, is it not? It's eat. Let's just live together. Combine our income. Come on now. But wait a second. We haven't, we haven't consecrated our marriage before the Lord. We haven't said I do before the Lord. We haven't let God. Wait a second. It costs more to live according to God's wisdom. It costs more to live the way that God wants us to live, to build the way that God wants us to build. It costs more to wait on God and not get ahead of God, does it not? It costs more when you think about how am I building my life? Am I building my life according to God's standards? The third thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, partners in kingdom work aim to maintain unity as a kingdom dwelling. Partners in kingdom work aim to maintain unity as a kingdom dwelling. Verse 16, the Apostle Paul says this, do use not know that use are the temple of, the, of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in use. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple use are. Now, I know there's no S in your Bible. It's just mine. I'm just kidding. But later on, Paul is going to talk, I think it's in chapter 6, he's going to talk about you as an individual temple. But right now, he's not talking about you or I as an individual temple. He is talking about us. That use, that, that we together are the temple of God. Why does that matter? He's talking about us building. Obviously, there's an individual application here, but then there is this collective and corporate, corporate application. Wait a second. The reason why you cannot allow division in is because use, because we are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. We are the temple, the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. So what do we do? We want to see fullness. We strive for fullness. We want to see the fullness of God's presence. See, here's the thing. What the Corinthian church didn't realize was that staunch allegiance to earthly spiritual leaders was not just carnal, but it was damaging to the temple of God. It was damn. Look, look what Paul goes on to say. He says, let no one, or, or I'm sorry, in verse 17, he says, if anyone defiles or destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, I, this is important for us to, to, to consider as a body when we think about divisions in the church, because Paul is saying that divisions in the church defile the temple. You don't think that's true? Let's keep reading. Verse, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become 
wise. What is he saying? Earlier, we talked about this last week. We dealt with the wisdom that God offers. God offers us a wisdom that this world doesn't offer. If we are going to be wise builders like we should be, then we have to embrace the wisdom of God and not allow ourselves to be divided over the wisdom that the world offers. He goes on in verse 19. He says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Oh, they thought they were slick and they got away. No, they didn't. They thought they knew better than God. No, they didn't. They looked like they got away with their sin. You're wondering, God, why is it that you're allowing them? You know how dirty and how, and, and how grimy they are. Why are you allowing them to continue to seem to be doing good? Oh, they didn't get away with it. He catches them in their craftiness. And again, it says, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, according to this world, that they are futile, their foolishness. He goes on to say in verse 21, therefore let no one, what does he say, boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Hold on a second. They were divided in the church over the people they were following, over the wisdom that they were holding on to because they weren't holding on to the wisdom of God as the highest authority. I just had a conversation with a brother of mine. We were talking about a relationship that he is, he is trying to engage in. And the one thing that I've told him about this relationship is this. I said, listen, man, if you guys are going to be in a positive, in a, in, a, in, a, in a good relationship, God's word has to be the highest authority in your relationship. God's word has to, if you're both Christians and you're both followers of Jesus, the word of God has to be the highest authority. Not your opinion. Not her opinion, not your likes, not her likes, God's word. God's word. Listen, this is good for marriage. For those of you that are married, come on now. For those of you that are parents in this place, in any relation, God's word has to be the highest authority in our lives. Not my feelings, not your feelings. And Paul is, is letting them know, listen, you, you cannot be divided over this. Why? Because division hinders worship and ultimately it hinders mission. You know, you know what division does in the church? It hinders our witness to the world. Think about what Jesus said. Jesus said, you will be known as my disciples by what? How big your buildings are? You will be known as my disciples by the car you drive. You will be known as my disciples by how many kids you have. You will be known as, no, he didn't say any of that stuff. He said, you would be known as my disciples by the love you have for one another. You will be known as my disciple. Listen, you can't walk in love with people that you're divided with. <laughs> Come on now. I, I, know, I know I can't be the only one. I know what it's like to walk into a place where I'm going to try to get my worship on, but I see somebody. I'll let that sink in like the spatula sunk in for me. I was all spiritual. I was amped up. I was ready to get my praise on. As soon as I walked in the door, I saw somebody. And all of a sudden, something twisted in my heart, and now I'm in worship thinking about them instead of Jesus. I'm trying to close my eyes so I don't open them and happen to see them. Come on. And fall out of communion. Come on. Y'all are laughing and holding the laughter in. So I'm assuming most of us have experienced that. Division hinders worship. It hinders what God wants. When we are supposed, when we gather together, we are supposed to be focused in on one thing and one thing alone, and that is Christ on his throne. That's what we should be doing. We should be gathered when we when we sing songs, we should be focused in on the one on the throne. But we got other stuff going on in our hearts. We, we remember the argument we had with so-and-so. Remember the disagreement we had. We remember the thing that was said. Because we, we, we got divisions in our hearts. We got things that are happening. So it hinders our worship. It hinders our witness to the world. The wisdom of God is rooted in the gospel that we just shared about. God's wisdom, again, is rooted in the gospel. And you know what it does? It keeps us humble. It keeps us grateful. It keeps us servant-hearted. It keeps us unified in love. When the gospel, when the wisdom of God is governing our lives, is governing the way that we live, that is what should be happening. We're not boasting in men. Paul says not to boast in men. In other words, boast in God and God alone. 
Boast in God and God alone. And he goes on. I, I, I love these beautiful promises. He says, whether Paul or Apollos is verse 22, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. You know why? Because you're cute. No, no, really, it's because you learned some creeds. Come on now. No, 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 It's because you memorize a lot of scripture. That's why all things are yours. No. All things are yours. All things are mine because what? Because I am Christ. Because I belong to him. Because he purchased me. He purchased, because he purchased us, we are his. And everything that, that, that we have been given, the every, all the good stuff, the good things, not the perverted things, the good things, all of those good things, they're ours. There's no reason to be divided. There's no reason to, have, to, 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 to be separated. Man, we need to be rejoicing because all things are ours because of him. Amen? Amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. My closing, my closing question is this. Are you fulfilling your role as a partner in kingdom work? That's the question. Are you fulfilling your role as a partner in kingdom work? I like, I like, I like how Minister Lewis, he, said, he, he brought up this thing, quiet quitting, that people are just phoning it in. They're just doing the bare minimum. They're not fulfilling their job. They're not doing what needs to be done. They're, 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 they're present, but they're not present. And so my question isn't, are, are, are you just present, but are you really present? Are you fulfilling your role as a partner in kingdom work? Are you doing what it is that God has gifted you to do? Are you using your gifts in and for the kingdom? That's the question. Are we doing what God has called? Everybody, everybody in this place, you got to answer the question, man, am I? Have I checked out? Have I decided, hey, I've done enough? Let someone else do it. That's what we think sometimes, right? That's that retirement mentality. <laughs> I've done enough. Let someone else do that. Hold on a second. I don't see that in the scriptures. You've done enough. <laughs> I see people coming to Jesus and him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And those are people who are proverbially dying with their boots on. People who are serving until the last day they breathe. Now listen, serving may change. Don't get it twisted, right? You go to the Old Testament, the priests, they were supposed to work hard, carrying stuff, burning stuff, killing stuff until they were 50. At 50, somebody younger needed to be carrying stuff, pulling stuff, killing stuff. Hallelujah. Some of you are like 50 plus. You're like, I still want to carry stuff. Amen, amen. We're not priests in that, in that sense. Keep carrying stuff, killing stuff, as long as the right stuff, all right? Don't kill the wrong stuff. <laughs> Things may change, but you don't stop serving because then you became an elder who sat at the gate, who gave wisdom and counsel. They continued to serve. So my question again is, are you fulfilling your role as a partner with God in the work of the kingdom? If you say yes, I'm going to pray for you that God continue to strengthen you. But if you say no, I'm going to pray that the Lord will give you a heart that says, God, I want to be faithful. I want to fulfill the purpose that you have for me in your kingdom work. So I'll stand on our feet and let's pray together. <clears throat> Holy is your name, Lord. Holy you are. And you have said that we as your temple are holy. And so, God, I ask you to forgive us for defiling the temple. Forgive us for envy. Forgive us for strife. Forgive us for divisions. Forgive us, Lord, for allowing the world, the voice of the world, to be louder than yours in our lives. Forgive us 
for being more devoted to earthly things than we are to kingdom things. Father, I pray this morning for my brothers and my sisters that are honest with you and have said, Lord, I'm not fulfilling my purpose in partnership with you. Lord, I pray for them that as they find themselves in fellowship with you, in relationship with you, that you would heal whatever's broken, that you would remove whatever obstacle there is to them fulfilling the purpose you have for them. For those that may be just phoning it in, those who are just going through the motions, those who are not living fully committed to your purpose, Lord, grant repentance. Grant repentance, God. Father, and I pray for my brothers and my sisters that they have their hands to the plow. Lord, they are working, they are sweating, they are, they are, they are in it to win it for your glory and honor. God, I pray for them that you would strengthen them in Jesus' mighty name. That you give them the strength to overcome the, the fatigue. That you give them the strength to overcome the frustration. That you give them the strength to overcome everything that may hinder them from being able to fulfill your purpose in and through them, God. Because, Lord, it's not how we start the race, it's how we finish. Give us endurance to continue the race that is set before us. Father, we give you thanks. We give you all the praise and we give you glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on and give God a hand of praise. He is worthy of glory and honor. And we praise him for his mercy. You can be seated.